You're listening to the Keep Going Podcast, where we keep going after the heart of God because He's our only hope. I'm Nika Maples. For your my only hope. For you. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 13 of the Keep Going Podcast. Right now, we're in a series called A Walk Through the Psalms, but today our focus will be a webcast that I conducted last week. The topic primarily is how to change the way that other people perceive you by changing the way that you perceive yourself because you finally understand how God perceives you. I think it could be uplifting and encouraging material for anybody who's curious about why people treat them the way they do. So I just want you to know that toward the end, there's a chunk that has been edited. That's because during that time, I was offering people a chance to see the ways that I memorized scripture. I did a little show and tell where I showed things from my personal life that I use in order to hide the word of God in my heart. It worked well over video through a webcast. It does not work well over audio through a podcast. That's why it has been removed. But just so you know, I may return to that in a blog post where you can see pictures. For now, let's jump right in. I have a nephew who's five years old and he's so precious, so affectionate. And he calls his three sisters, my beauties. One day he did it when when we were pulling out in the van and he was staying home and he stood in the driveway and said, goodbye, my beauties. I said, he he just called you his beauties. They said, yeah, we know he does it all the time. When they come back from anywhere, he'll say, oh, my beauties are home. And these are two older sisters, 10 and eight, and his younger sister, who's one. He's so sweet and affectionate to them. And one time I asked him, hey, am I your beauty too? He goes, no, not you. You're going to have to ask your husband to call you my beauty. (laughs) Well, I don't have a husband, but I do have a phone. So let me tell you what I did. I realized that you can tell your phone to call you anything. You want to hear what my phone calls me? (laughs) First of all, I changed the, I changed Siri's voice to a male voice. I call him Sirius. Oh, yes. Let's see. What do you call me? You're Nika. But since we are friends, I get to call you my beauty. You can ask your phone, just push the home button and say, hey, call me whatever. You can have your phone call you anything. Now, I couldn't make my nephew call me my beauty, but I could make my phone call me my beauty. And you can't make people call you anything that you want to be called. You really can't make them, but you can make your soul call you anything you want it to call you. So I'm, I'm kind of drawing a connection between our phone, which is almost an extension of ourselves these days. I tell it what to do and our souls, we can tell our souls what to do. Did you realize that we're made up of three parts? There's our body, and that's the physical us that interacts with the physical world. Then there's our soul. That's our mind, will, and emotion that interacts with 
the emotions of people around us and the minds the thoughts of people around us. But there's a third part. And I think this is the part we get confused. There's the spirit. And that's the spiritual part of us. That's the part of us that can communicate with the spirit of God in the spiritual world. And what we've done usually is just say we're two parts. We're the seen and the unseen. We're the physical body and then we're the soul and spirit. But soul and spirit are two different things, really. Our identity is found in our spirit, and that is dictated by God. The enemy can't play around with our spirits. He can play around with our souls, uh, influencing our thoughts, influencing our feelings. That's why the Bible tells us the heart is deceitful above all things. We can't always just rely on trusting our hearts. Let me look at my notes for a second. So my soul started calling me after I went through such a difficult time with uh, years and years of chronic illness through lupus and then disability and then acute acute illness with my stroke, I started feeling that I was rough, that I was worse for the wear. And my, my soul started seeing me that way. I felt like my mind and my heart started calling me a fighter. It started calling me tough. And I framed myself. I started viewing myself as bruised and dented and rugged because of all that I had been through. The thing is, the more I said that over my spirit, the more I was non-verbally communicating that to others. You communicate non-verbally what your spirit believes. And then people generally start calling you what you let your soul call you. They start treating you the way they have been calling you. Let me repeat that. You communicate non-verbally what your spirit believes about you. Then people start calling you what you have allowed your soul to start calling you. That's your, your heart and mind, your thoughts and emotions. You call yourself names sometimes and you communicate that if you've believed it. And people start calling you that. And that affects the way then that they treat you and their actions reflect what they believe about you. And they begin treating you the way that they've been calling you. What happens is your body and your soul become what your spirit has believed. What that looked like in my life as my soul kept calling me, you're tough, you're tough, you're hard, you're, you're, you're a fighter my spirit started believing that that's really who I was. And because my spirit believed it, other people were communicating, were, being, were receiving that communication. They started calling me a fighter. They started calling me tough. And then my body reflected what my spirit believed. I started clenching my teeth. I would have arthritis pain because I would hold my hands in fists. I had tension in my shoulders that made them very tough and my back would hurt and my my leg would constantly shake because I was constantly in a shaking like bouncing because I was constantly in a state of tension fight or flight almost I was biting my fingernails because I was believing that I was a fighter and, and had to be on my guard because at any moment 
that next thing could happen and I would have to self-protect. That next uh, blow would find me and I would have to uh, fend myself against it. Then I realized this is not exactly who I want to be. I don't want to be tough. I don't want to be a fighter because I started believing that maybe God had a different view of me. Is that who he had asked me to be? So I got quiet one day uh, on the back porch and I asked the Lord, what am I? Who do you say I am? Now, the Lord loves us and he loves to communicate with us the way we hear it. I'm an English teacher and a writer. I love books. I love language. I, I call myself a wordy because I just love words. So I'm not surprised that he communicated with me in a, a metaphor. And then he spoke poetically to me in a way that I would understand. I asked the Holy Spirit, who am I? Am I really a fighter? Am I really tough, Lord? Romans 8 says that the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirits about who we are. If you feel lost, if you don't know who you are, this is your first assignment tonight or this weekend. You might have a long Memorial Day weekend to get alone with the Lord and ask him, who do you say I am? Communicate with me, testify to my spirit about who I am. That verse in Romans 8 says that he testifies with our spirits that we are children of God. Absolutely. But he's willing to even say more unique things to us that we can understand. And what I felt like he was saying to me is, oh, Nika, you don't have to be hard. You don't have to be tough. I see you as soft, like a peach. And when I thought of a peach, I viewed, I just pictured a peach in my mind. And I saw that the color of a peach is delicate. And there is no other fruit as tender as a peach. And that's the way God saw my heart was soft and tender like a peach. A peach has no self-protection. Other fruits, even a banana, you have to remove a thick skin. But God didn't see me as someone with a thick skin. Let me tell you, I, I've pursued writing since I was 20 years old. I mean, one of my first activities as a, a form of therapy was to type in the rehabilitation hospital. I asked my physical, my occupational therapist, can you get me a computer or a typewriter? I want to learn how to type again. And I started typing my first book, my first book with one finger. My, my hand was shaking and it went like this. I typed with one finger after hours when, when I had done my regular therapy in the gym. And then I went about my the, the therapist went home for the day. I rolled back into the gym in my wheelchair and typed like this. But I had to wait because that first manuscript went nowhere. And after rejection and rejection and rejection and rejection and rejection and 20 years of rejections, I still had no traction. And what I knew that I was meant to do with my life, which was to write. And people kept saying, you have to have a thick skin. And I would even tell people, critique my writing. I trust me, I have a thick skin. But that's not anything that God had ever asked me to do. Remember how I said that people will start calling you and repeating to you and reinforcing to you what you non-verbally communicate. And my spirit had been communicating the thoughts and feelings of, of my mind and heart, which was that I had to have a thick skin, that I had to self-protect. 
But God said, no, you can be tender because I'll protect you. You can have a tender skin and a soft skin and a, a beautiful covering over your heart like a peach. That's an important simile for me um, because there, to me, what I've tried to show in my book, Hunting Hope, is that hope is staying soft on purpose. Hope is staying tender. Hope is staying open when we are tempted to close off. See, the world tells us self-protection is strength. Isolation is, is true independence. The world tells us that toughness is true power. But that's not what God reiterates to us. God says, be who I've designed you to be. And what I've designed you to be is someone who lives in grace, who operates from love, who reaches out, who turns the other cheek. All of those actions are soft actions. They're open and, and willing actions. But what we do is we believe old cliches that we've heard from the world and we, we mix the philosophy of the world with what God tells us in his word. And one of those old cliches that I think has um, really misdirected us is something like whether we, we believe this, maybe whether we actually say it, but you know, that, that idiom once bitten twice shy. When people say that they mean I might be hurt by you once, but I won't be hurt a second time. We not only use that toward people. Sometimes we, we use that toward God. We think, Hey, you allowed me to be hurt. Well, guess what? That won't happen again. I can protect myself better than you can. If you couldn't protect me from what just happened, then I'll back away and I'll take care of things myself next time. And whether we use that aggressive tone with him, that's kind of what our souls start telling our spirits is, hey, don't trust him. Don't trust God. And remember I said at the beginning of this web webcast that the enemy can't mess with our spirits. He can only mess around with our thoughts and emotions. That's our soul. So he starts messing around with that business. Stop trusting and protect yourself. And so we get hard. We don't say soft. We don't dare to hope. Well, I want to ask you, are we better at protecting ourselves than God is at protecting us? Nothing could be further from the truth. And the danger is getting far from the truth. There is no more dangerous place to be. But if we do not self-protect, how can we be protected? Well, this next portion may be a little bit enlightening to you, but the more I've thought about it, the more I really feel like I wanna put it out there for people to consider. It may shift your perspective. You've heard about putting on the armor of God from Ephesians 6. And a lot of times I, I see people repeating, I've got to put on the armor of God. And they quote that whole section of scripture that talks about girding ourselves with the belt of truth and putting on the breastplate of righteousness and so on. And they almost start saying it. And when I say they, I'm going to say me too. I in the past have, if I was about to do something important, I, I would recite that whole verse. I would say, whew, I put on the armor of God. I had to do that before I 
went on stage to speak or had to put on the armor of God before I went and traveled and got on this airplane. And, and we can do that sometimes just say, Oh, wait, 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 hold on. Before we move forward, I got to put on the armor of God. And we just say that verse. What happened to change my paradigm in that area was I met someone who was living in disregard of what God said in the word. And yet she continued to say, I'm putting on the armor of God. And she would recite that little verse from Ephesians 6. And yet I would watch her life and say, you're not really doing anything that God says that we should be. You're not obeying at all. So why would we think that if we take a step off the path that God has for us and we're headed now into enemy territory, why would we think just saying words would protect us? That must not be what this verse is all about. God says we're protected when we stay on his path for us, when we follow what he says. He doesn't say, well, if you just if you say this string of sentences, then you'll be fine no matter what you do. That's not what this verse is really saying. The armor of God, putting on the armor of God is a way of life. It is not a magic spell. It is not an incantation or a chant, and we can't use it that way. Let me show you what I mean. When we're told to put on the belt of truth, what is truth? We find out in John 14, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am. So the belt of truth is Jesus. When we gird ourselves with truth, we have to choose Jesus above ourselves. We choose Jesus. You can say the, the armor of God sentences all you want to, but if you have not chosen Jesus above yourself, then you have not girded yourself with truth. The breastplate of righteousness, what's that? Well, it tells us this is going to be a hard one to swallow. I just swallowed because it's a hard one to swallow. First John 3. Are you ready? No one who keeps on sinning has ever seen Jesus or known him. Let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as Christ is righteous. I'm going to say that last one again. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as Christ is righteous. We have to practice righteousness and do what Jesus says that is the breastplate of righteous that, righteousness that protects us. It's not just a string of sentences. The breastplate of righteousness is obedience. It's obeying Jesus. If we choose to disobey Jesus, then saying a bunch of words will not protect us. It's obedience that protects us, staying on the path that he has for us. So the gospel of peace on our feet, that's the next, the next item. What is the gospel of peace? We read what it is in Ephesians 2. For Christ himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, that's Jews and Gentiles, and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. The gospel of peace is unity in Jesus. It's not just it's not just a, a memory verse. The gospel of peace is unity 
in our marriages, in our families, between men and women, between co-workers, between siblings, between fathers and sons, between mothers and daughters. It's unity in churches, across city lines, across state lines, in countries. It's unity across the world. In the name of Jesus, we cannot live in strife and disagreement and think that we are protected. The enemy finds strife and disagreement to be a playground. So we move forward in protection by choosing Jesus, by obeying Jesus, and by pursuing unity in Jesus at all costs. Now, what is the helmet of salvation? We find out in Philippians 4. What can guard your mind? We're told, don't worry about anything, but give everything to God in prayer with thanksgiving. And the peace of God will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's a protection. The helmet of salvation is prayer. We get that protection, that guard over our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We get it through presenting all of our requests to God with thanksgiving. What protects my thoughts is prayer and, and making my mind like the mind of Christ. So the belt of truth is choosing Jesus. The breastplate of righteousness is obeying Jesus. The uh, gospel of peace on our feet, that's, that's unity in Jesus. And the helmet of salvation is prayer through Jesus. So what is the shield of faith? We're told in Romans 10. Now faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. The shield of faith is exposing ourselves to sound teaching, reading the Bible, and believing the words of Jesus. We cannot live on our own whichever way we want and think that we will be protected. We have to expose ourselves to good, solid preaching and teaching, read our Bibles, and believe what they say. So we gird ourselves with truth by choosing Jesus. We put on the breastplate of righteousness by obeying Jesus. The gospel of peace on our feet is unity in Jesus. And the um, helmet of salvation is prayer through Jesus. And the shield of faith is exposing ourselves to sound teaching. So we aren't going to be, it says we'll be able to extinguish the flaming darts of the enemy. You know what he's saying? He's saying God's not, God's not true. God's not faithful. God is a God thinks it's okay for you to act this way or to do this. Well, we extinguish all of those lies because we've exposed ourselves to sound teaching um, in the sword of the spirit. This one is hard too. But when I understood this truly, it changed everything for me. The sword of the spirit, as you know, common passage is found in Hebrews 4. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit. It divides soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's usually where we stop. And what we get is a picture of the sword of the spirit as something we hold in our hands and wield in warfare against the enemy, as if he's out here somewhere, as if he's um, 
waging some kind of battle in, in the atmosphere when really the battle is somewhere else. The battle is inside of us. We need the sword of the spirit. Did you just hear it when I read it? It's capable of dividing soul and spirit. You have to pull away who you truly are in your spirit. That's what God says you are um, from your thoughts and your the attitudes of the heart. What your soul keeps telling you that you are. Sometimes if you're believing lies, you don't need to be listening to what your soul says. Your spirit should be telling your soul who you really are, not the other way around. So the rest of that verse, the part that puts the whole thing into context is what we leave off there in Hebrews 4. It says right after it says that the sword of the spirit judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The rest of it says this. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. The sword of the spirit isn't seen in this action. The sword of the spirit is seen in this action. The sword of the spirit is to penetrate us to divide our souls and spirits so that nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. The word we read in the scriptures, the word, what Jesus has said in the Bible and every word that God has penned since the beginning of time, it's to be driven into our beings so that everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So what is the sword of the spirit then? It's confession. It's agreement with Jesus. You want to be protected? You want to wear the armor of God? Stop saying a little chant and expect that you are protected. The real way you can know for sure in your spirit that you are protected by Jesus Christ is because you gird yourself with truth by choosing Jesus above yourself. You put on the breastplate of righteousness by obeying Jesus with your actions, you, you put on the gospel of peace in your feet by pursuing unity everywhere you go with every relationship in your life. You put on the helmet of salvation by living a life of prayer that turns everything over to God and, is, and receives his peace in the place of your trouble. And then you take up the shield of faith which is exposing yourself to sound teaching so that when you hear the word of God, you have the word of God inside of you and you believe it and live from it. And then the sword of the spirit, that's when you turn the word on yourself, thereby defeating the enemy, not out here, but in here, in the very core of who you are. You aren't going to let him tell you who you are anymore. You're going to let God tell you who you are. And then your spirit tells your soul what to call you. Just like you would tell your phone what to call you. The whispered word and the written word in the Bible protect us so that we do not have to protect ourselves. The peach simile that I told you at the beginning of this webcast, it strengthens me more than you know. It seems like a simple little poetic thought, but 
I, I, I let it guide a lot of the things that I do. And in fact, I post it all around me. I'll just be real here. You want to see, see what I have in my house? I ha a couple of my friends know about the, the whole peach thing. And one friend made me a little frame that says pretty as a peach. And then another friend gave me this sweet as a peach. It were, I, I keep them where I can see them because it reminds me to be soft, to live in an open and tender way and to not revert back to the many years that I've lived with a hardness and a toughness about me. And I, now that I have a book that's out, um, I get a lot of radio interviews and the, the hosts will often say, I'm introducing you to our guest today. This is Nika Maple. She's a fighter. She's tough. She's a fighter. Wait till you hear her story. And you know what I say in my mind? No, I'm not. I'm tender. I'm soft. I trust God to protect me. I don't have to fight for myself. In Exodus 14, 14, he says, the Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. So I correct my soul when my soul tries to tell me to, to shield away and self-protect. And I also, I correct other people inwardly. I, would, I know they mean well. So I would never say to anyone who said, oh, you're such a fighter. Or you're, you're so strong. I would never correct someone that I know they mean well. Uh, but inwardly, I don't want to keep repeating that to myself. So I say, no, I'm soft. I choose to be open on purpose. Now, you may say, wait, now, well, you're hearing the whispered word of God, and I've never heard God speak to me in any way, and I want to. Do you want to hear the whispered word of God? Then give your undivided attention to the written word of God. How can you expect him to say something new if you're not paying attention to what he's already said? I can very easily hear God speaking to me because I've spent so many years listening and, and focusing on what he's already said in his written word. Uh, but there are still some people who may say, I don't know how to do that. I want to. Is it just reading your Bible every day? Well, yeah, that's one way. But I, I brought along some practical show and tell for you today because it's more than just reading your Bible, although it is that. In Deuteronomy 11, God said, fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. What does that look like today? It looks like posting the word everywhere. Let it be a screensaver in your mind. A friend of mine said, I, I expose myself to scripture. I read the word and, and write the word everywhere constantly because when I'm at a stoplight, I want my idle time, my mind to default to the screensaver of scripture, what God has promised me. Well, here are the practical ways that you can give your undivided attention to the written word of God. Okay, when I'm out, when I'm out, I hunt. this is the way that we hunt for hope. There is no shortcut. I wish there were. A lot of people ask me, Nika, 
um, to, to give me the answer to this question. Just even yesterday, somebody asked me, Nico, why does God give miracles to some people and not to others? It just it was an overwhelming question, but I'm not the one with the answers. All I can do is point you to the one who is the answer. Hope has to become your heartbeat. And here's the thing. Your heart has to beat for itself. No one can do it for you. So if you're looking to me, and if you read my book, Hunting Hope, expecting me to help you hope, I'm not sure I can do it, but I can show you how I found help to hope. And that is through pursuing Jesus with everything I've got. And that's what I'm encouraging you to do. Why should we hope? Oh, it's a long road, but it's so worth it. Romans 5, 3 through 5 said, we, says we can rejoice in our sufferings because we know that sufferings produce pers perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Stop right there for a second because we want to go from stuff, suffering straight to hope. When people talk to me after they speak, they say, give me some hope. I'm suffering. Give me some hope. I'm, I say, oh, you got a few more steps. If you want to get to hope, you got to go through perseverance and then through character formation. That's the uncomfortable part, but you will get to hope. So I can't do it for anybody, but the rest of that verse is so awesome. It says, and hope does not disappoint us because we know how dearly God loves us because he has poured out his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. God loves us. That's how we know that hope won't disappoint us. If we're hoping in a certain situation or hoping in a person, that will always let us down. But if we're hoping in God, well, he's love and love never fails. Hope will not disappoint you. So you don't need to feel like a fool for staying open, staying tender, staying soft like a peach he'll protect you Yeshua, explain the way he moves as just an ordinary man today's music is from chapter one by shane and shane and is used with permission if you haven't ordered my new book hunting hope please go to my website nikamaples.com to find out more there you can also click email sign up to receive monthly encouragement from me. And now, may we always continue to fear the Lord. We will be rewarded for this, and our hope will not be cut off. That's from Proverbs 23, 17-18. We'll talk soon. Until then, keep going.